Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today. We'll try to get it all together this week and we'll get right into the Word, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Looking forward to being here with you today wherever you are, whatever time of the day it might be where you are. But we're always just casual and, and comfortable on Friday mornings here at Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. And uh, if you're living anywhere near Queen City, Atlanta region, we invite you to the studio on Friday mornings at 9 o'clock where we endeavor to dig into God's Word and, and, and learn the truth of His Word because that's what the Holy Spirit will guide us into the truth of God's Word, not just the memorization of Scripture, not just... Uh, scripture uh, being learned. Well, this scripture's for that situation, and this scripture's for that situation. But what we're doing now in these last days is we're learning Christ in the scriptures because He is the answer for all things. And again, we're just excited to be here. We will be in Second Timothy today. Uh, hopefully I can uh, try to stay calm today. My throat's real scratchy with this weather. It's hot, it's cold, it's misty, it's oh, I'm, it might snow tomorrow. I'm kidding, but it, I'm not. You know, you never know here in this northeast area of Texas. So <clears throat> just pray for me. My voice make it. I pray the Lord bless us today with the bread and the wine that we need. I know that He wants to impart something to us today. Every time we open God's Word, He's desiring that we hear Him. We have to hear Him for faith to come. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, and Jesus taught that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yet the life is in the blood. So the Word of God must always be in the context of our faith in the cross of Jesus Christ or it will not have any effect upon our lives. I'm thankful to know that in these last of the last days. Well, today, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, this is session 9 here on the 20th day of November in 2020, and we will begin in chapter 2 verse 16. Now, we had a couple of weeks, and I hope, I really hope that if you've missed the last two sessions, you would go back and listen to them because I, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to get a whole new perspective on study to show yourself approved unto God. If you'll go listen to those sessions, uh, you're probably, I, I, I pretty much believe it, that God is going to give you new light concerning <clears throat> that scripture there. So I encourage you, if you missed them, go back listen to them and you will find, uh, I believe, some fresh new light from the Holy Spirit concerning that scripture. not going to teach it again today, though. Uh, I'd love to, but I'm not going to. But we will begin in verse 16, and it starts with the word, but... And, of course, you always have to look back, and Paul tells us, study to show yourself prove unto God, uh, you know, and uh, rightly dividing the word of truth as a workman so you won't have to be ashamed. But he says, but shun, now he's telling you what the opposite, if we're not studying to show ourselves approved, we're talking about rightly dividing the word of God, becoming a workman so that we won't be ashamed. We're, you, you don't have a choice in the matter, my friends. You're either studying... <clears throat> to walk in that place where God has already approved you so that you can show Him what He's looking for. He's looking for the fruit of your approval. You're not going to walk in that unless you're studying and find an increase of that fruit. And if that's not the case, then you automatically fall into this next category because there's not study to show yourself approved and then five other options. No, there's that option. It's called obedience. And then there's... This option, the alternative is profane and vain babblings. Profane and vain babblings. If we're not studying the Word of God to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing not the Word of God, but the Word of truth. God's Word is truth, but so many times God's Word is not being presented as the truth. If God's Word is being presented as the truth, the picture, what, what men, women, boys, and girls are seeing is the righteousness of God. You need to make a note of this. Proverbs 12, 17. He that speaks truth 
shows forth righteousness. If righteousness is not the picture, and I'm not talking about self-righteousness, the fruit of your faith in what Christ did, that righteous work at Calvary, that work that that righteous work that was peace and the effect of its quietness and assurance in your soul, your salvation, the fruit you bear today, if that's not it, you, we're in big trouble. I know what I'm talking about. I speak from experience. And we need to understand there's not two or three different avenues. We're either studying to show ourselves approved and we're studying in the context of God's Word as truth in its righteous context because that will always be the picture if we're hearing truth. Never forget that. Now, just because you're sitting under somebody reading the Bible, even preaching the Word... If they're not pointing you to the one who's the living word and what he did so that all of God's word could be applied to you, then my friend, and I'm, and I'm talking about 99.9% of all those who are truly blood-bought today, we're off track. And as we were talking before Bible study today, we, we like sitting back and throwing rocks and at, the, at the, those who are obviously blatantly living in uh, sins of abomination before God and for killing babies and all this, but at the same time, we're not studying the Word of God. We just like throwing rocks of condemnation at others who obviously are wrong, but there's jealousy and envy and strife and bitterness and, and all sorts of things going on. Spiritual adultery is the greatest of all, I believe, to God. It's His people trusting in something other than what He did for them at Calvary. That automatically puts us in a place of spiritual adultery. Bible teaches us in Romans 7, 4 that we're married to Jesus so that we can bear fruit now. We're dead to sin, alive unto God now. We're married to Jesus so that we can bear fruit. We're no longer married to the law. And when we go back and start tampering around with that one we used to be married to, we're cheating on our husband now who is Jesus. That grieves our faithful Lord. And he does not like that. So... We better be careful. We better be studying the Word of God so we can show ourselves approved but shun profane and vain babblings because they will increase unto more ungodliness. It's not doing you any good for the last several years to sit around and just talk negative about all the, the political things that are going on. It's not political things, although it is. It's much deeper than that. It's much worse and farther. Uh, uh, it, it, there's more than political things going on, but you, you better guard your own heart. You better watch your own self. You better get that four before out of your eye before you start reaching out trying to cause other things to happen. I know some people don't like that, but uh, those they don't like anything that's right. They don't like anything that's self-checking. They just want to reach out and sledgehammer others. And uh, we need to be careful with that. To shun profane and vain babblings, the word profane means heathenistic. It means that which is heathen, that which is not of God. It means wicked. I'm giving you the definitions. You look it up, you'll find the same thing. That which is profane is just heathen. It's not of God. It's wicked. And vain means worthless and babblings means fruitless, which pretty much are the same thing. Just vain, worthless words, babbling, fruitless, words of no matter, no fruit, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And this is basically what we see in the church today. We see men holding God's truth, but yet in an unrighteous context. And when we, when we do that, the only thing that can happen, and I'm quoting Romans 1.18, by the way, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. That means in a way that it's not about Jesus. It's not about what He did at Calvary. It's not about the fruit that can only come as you're walking with your faith in Christ and Him crucified. If we hold God out, God's Word outside of that light, 
then all that can be there is ungodliness and unrighteousness, words that are profane, really heathenistic and wicked and vain, worthless, babblings, fruitless words. And all that can happen is there will be an increase of more ungodliness. That means it's already ungodly. But all those words can do... And notice this is, what's, this is what the alternative is to studying God's Word, becoming a student of the very God that saves you through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's more than a Bible. The Word of God is God. And what we do with the Word of God is what we're doing with God. We don't believe that. We're walking in deception now. And you need to become a student because you've been given the opportunity by God to know about Him, to learn about Him, to walk with Him, to be in relationship with Him, to grow in His knowledge and His grace. Hallelujah. You've been given that privilege, that honor as a child of God to do more than show up at church, which most of the church probably don't even do that regularly anymore, if at all. But you've been given the Word of God. Remember, The Word of God is God, and the Word of God became flesh. That's speaking of Jesus. So when we're learning of the Word of God, we're learning of our faithful God and what He did for us through the living Word that He became when He became a man, the Son of God, to deliver us, save us from our sins. But not only that, He did that to be in relationship with us so we could actually now learn of Him because before you got saved, you didn't know anything about God and everything you thought you knew was a lie because you didn't understand it. You couldn't unless you have the Spirit of God and you don't get the Spirit of God dwelling in you until you're born again. Jesus told Nicodemus that in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. So the most subtle and dangerous ungodliness is that which has the appearance of godliness but is not. Remember, the devil has to use the Word of God to even purport his lies. For a lie to be right, it has to take that... For, let me say that correctly. For a lie uh, to be a lie, it has to take what is right and twist it and make it wrong. It, uh, it has to, you have to take truth and bend it and pervert it. So God's Word not held in its righteous context becomes a lie to many. But it's the way they hold it. God's Word is not a lie, but the way we hold it, if we don't hold it in its righteous context, it becomes a lie to us. But not the Word, but our twist on it. We make it a lie. We make God a liar. Now think about this, and I've been talking about this the last two or three years, Proverbs 8 and 8. All the words of my mouth, God says, are in righteousness. And righteousness, Romans 1, 16 and 17, is only revealed in the gospel. In the gospel. And that's to them who go from faith to faith. Because the just shall live by faith. But that's faith that comes by hearing God's word in the gospel context that reveals righteousness to faith that comes by hearing God's word in its gospel context that continues to lead us from faith to faith on the path of God's righteousness bearing His righteous fruit. Hallelujah. So God's word is truth. It's not a lie. But if I'm not holding it, presenting it, studying it, receiving it in its righteous context, then I I can even use God's Word to become nothing but vain and fruitless and the letter of the law that kills. Worthless, fruitless, heathenistic, wicked. Think about that. The devil did that to Jesus when he approached Him in the wilderness and Jesus was being tested and the devil used scripture on him but what did he do he twisted it he used it out of its righteous context and that's all he can do because he's a liar he can't tell the truth now I know there's a difference between the devil and men women boy and girls who just are walking in a place of ignorance 
But the Bible says God no longer winks at ignorance but commands men everywhere to repent. To repent. When you hear these things, you, 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 have to, you, you can't just sit back and say, well, I hadn't heard uh, that man talking about this. That's just some little old country fella out on the back burner. <clears throat> Nobody even knows him. God knows me and God's got me speaking right into your life. It's, it doesn't matter. You know, there are people all the time that don't like what this young preacher says and the young preacher says, well, I got it from uh, pastor so-and-so and the guy, oh, okay, okay, I get it now. No, he didn't get it now because he's not studying the Word. He's not following the truth of God's Word. He just don't like him. And when he quoted the word and this guy disagreed with it and he threw this pastor's name in. Then the guy says, oh, I get it, I get it. No, you don't get it. You're following men and not the truth of God's word. If you're following the truth of God's word, the leading of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter where truth's coming from. You're going to get excited and shout the praises of God over it because those, listen, let those shout for joy who favor my righteous cause, the psalmist wrote. Let them shout for joy who favor my righteous cause. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Let me read this note again. The most subtle and dangerous ungodliness is that which has the appearance of godliness but is not. The cross is what makes the difference. The cross is what makes the difference. The blood of Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus in Luke 20 in, or 22 in verse 20 at the last supper with his disciples, he says, take and drink this cup. This is the new covenant in my blood. So his blood has to be pertaining to all the words of the new covenant. Just like under the old covenant, In Exodus 24, verses 6 through 8, you find Moses, they sacrificed an animal. They read the law. They put half the blood in basins. They sprinkled the rest of it, the other half, on the altar. They read the law. Then they sprinkled the blood on the people that was there. And Moses declared this, Behold the blood of the covenant which I've made with you concerning All these words without your faith, not 20 years ago, not 20 days ago, without your faith in the blood, without you beginning to study the Scriptures in the light that shines only through the blood of Jesus, it's not going to be understood. It's not going to be able to be walked in. It's the blood of Christ that's concerning all the words of your Bible. Because it's only through your faith in the cross, not 20 years ago, not 20 days ago, today, again today, our faith stands in the finished work of Christ without adding to it. And because our faith is in the blood, now the Holy Spirit can teach us the truth of God's Word, guide us into the truth of God's Word for only Through the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Lamb does the light shine into our hearts and upon that righteous path. Revelation 21, 23 says the Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. So here we see in verse 17 and and Paul telling Timothy, and their word, he's talking about Folks, he's talking about folks. This is where the church runs away today and turns preachers off. Well... I just don't believe in all that name calling. I don't believe in all that, you know, and I, we've been warned and warned and warned and we, we just, all this warning going on. Listen, let me, let me tell you about them folks. They think, they don't know it, but they think they've reached a plateau. They think they're beyond being warned. You better go back and read about Israel. Every time they were warned by the prophets, they got sick of being warned too. And what did Jesus say Israel did to all the prophets. They killed them. 
Because they what? They got sick of what? Being warned to repent and, and come back and stay focused on God's plan. Don't worry about what the other nations have as gods and how the other nations are prospering in all their worldly ways. You stick with God, Jehovah God, through faith in the sacrifice and you'll find God's provision. Amen, Brother Curtis. So don't get tired of being warned. And when you do, you better remember back at what all of Israel, uh, most of Israel did to all the prophets. They killed them. And Jesus said what they wrote about was him. So that ought, to, that ought to do something to you today. If Jesus said everything they wrote is about him, and he did, he said in Psalms 40 verse 7, the volume of the books written of him. Again, that's declared in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 7. Jesus said it in Luke chapter uh, t- uh What was it? Chapter 24, verses 44 through 46. He said it again in John chapter 5, 38 and 39. The scriptures, search them. You you think you have life in the scriptures, but they are they which testify of me. But you won't come to me. See, all the scriptures are in the context of Jesus. He said it. He said it. So the life that comes from God's word only comes from hearing the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to us in the Scriptures. Now, Paul gets real, he he gets focused here. He he calls people's names, and that's what causes people to leave churches today. I I just don't think they ought to be calling folks names like that. They're judging people. But see, and I understand that's a that's a barrier that we all, when we the Lord's trying to bring us back to the message of the cross, because when you hear a minister preaching righteousness, which is the message of the cross, what you're going to hear is a whole lot of warning because. Listen, the cross comes against everything that the church has been trusting for centuries because it's either Christ and what He did and that's what we're trusting in or it's other things. And anything other than our trust in Christ and His righteous work on the cross and that alone puts us in a place of mixture. And I always mention Exodus 32 when the children of Israel, while Moses was on the mountain, they built a golden calf, but oh, we'll just manipulate God. We'll build an altar right beside the golden calf. God said, I'll have no part of any of that. God not sitting back saying, well, at least they're believing, still believing in the altar. Still they, they're still talking about that cross, but I see they're, they're doing the government of 12, the purpose driven, the words they speak, and the walk of Emmaus, and all these programs they're trusting in, the, the AA, and the, you can have a better this and a better that, and all these programs, and celebrate recovery, all the, all these avenues that, that you can find deliverance. No, God's not happy. He's grieved, and He's, He's angry over all that. If you don't think so, you have a wrong picture of God. Did Jesus get angry? Amen. Did Jesus get grieved? Did Jesus get excited and every once in a while say, Wow, your faith. I marveled at your faith. Yes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think about these things. Think about these things that you're hearing today. We need to consider these things that we're hearing. So one of the greatest barriers when you hear these men of God, women of God preaching the message of the cross, the come back, come home, come back to this only place that God works. All His works are done in truth, Psalms 33, 4, for he works according to the new law of the new covenant. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2, that made us free from the law of sin and death. Where did that happen? At the cross, which pours out the truth of where the Holy Spirit works. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 7, 12 says when the priesthood changed, then it became necessary for the law to change. You need to understand, we're no longer under any old covenant law. We're under new covenant law. But it's still law. This time though, it's the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That means what the Spirit of God is doing in us, to us, for us, and through us instead of what we have to go about and try to make happen and do and put tags on it. Come on now. When God sees a mixture, He's grieved over that. Amen. And we're all learning. We're all learning how not to mix and why we shouldn't mix. But we are also admitting that we have many years of ministry mixed. God's never been pleased with it. He's never been happy. He's always been grieved about it. When there's a mixture, when I think I can trust in the cross and also some golden calf, and listen, that's a mixture. And with our hearts, when we're involved in that, we're telling God with our hearts the cross wasn't enough. And again, let's get back to the point here. That's, that, that's something we bump up against. And when we first begin to hear this, we know it's right, but then all the warning, all the, the names that are being dropped, and don't listen to them because they're not preaching the truth. Their focus is on works and all these lies that are out there today. And that's, a, that's something because our minds tell us this when we first start hearing the truth. Well, they're just bashing everybody. They're, they're just putting all these people... To, no, they're not. And I hope somebody's hearing me today who knows what the Lord's trying to get through to all of us. And I'm not talking about people that bash people, for there are people that bash people. I'm talking about ministers who are pointing out ministries and people who are not using God's Word in its righteous context. They're not using God's Word in the light of the one who is the living Word. They're not uh, 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 seeing the light of God's Word in the person and the work of the one who has said He is the light of the world. They're not putting from God's Word the bread on the table for the people of God in the context of the one who said, I am the bread that comes from heaven. You can listen to probably almost any church service in the world on Sunday. Just find one somewhere. And if it's not one of these folks God has brought back to the cross, you're going to hear more talk about their years of ministry, their denominational history and legacy, their this, their that, their programs and all these ways. And when the people leave church, they're thinking, well, I've just got to try to do better. I've got to try to work harder. I've got to, you know, instead of hearing what Jesus has done, who he is and what he's done, so they can be thankful that they can just simply trust in him and, and watch him and be a part of what he's doing these people need to be pointed out. You know, there's a couple of scriptures in the Bible, and this is a prime place to bring this in. In Romans chapter 16, uh, Paul tells the church in Rome, mark those who are causing division because they're teaching doctrines that are contrary to what you've learned. Mark those, that means make a note of them, that means point them out that are, that are causing division because they're teaching doctrines that are contrary to what you've learned, Paul said, outside of what I've taught you. The other one is in Psalms 37, 37, and, and it's Mark, the perfect man whose end is peace. The perfect man in God's eyes, just as he called Job perfect, and he calls all his people perfect because Job wasn't sinless and God's people today aren't sinless. We sin, but God looks through faith in the sacrifice and he sees perfection. He looks through the blood and sees what the blood did for his people and the blood of Christ, our faith in that, approved, God approved us through faith in in that alone, and we became, like Job, a, a people that God could call perfect because He sees us in His perfect Son. Amen? Everybody okay? So in the Bible, we're told to mark the perfect man whose end is peace. That means the man who's following Christ because there's no perfection or peace outside of that. Mark them, follow them. In Romans 16 again, Paul says, mark those that are causing division. Not just those who are envious and causing strife, but he, he, he gets real focused there. He says in Romans 16, mark those that are causing division by teaching 
other doctrines than what you've learned. Now, we need to think about that. And the reason I'm talking about this is because Paul here says in verse 17, and their word, who? These folks who were uh, producing nothing but uh, uh, profane and vain babblings. And they're in a process and they think they're increasing into godly things, but really they're increasing here. Really the Bible says unto more ungodliness. Unto more ungodliness. If the words are fruitless, and man, we could back up all the way up to verse 14 where we really had a great session about the word uh, subverting of the hearers and how we learned that to subvert a hearer means to put on the table spiritually something that causes ruin devastation, destruction, and leads people away in apostasy. So Paul here is talking about things the church doesn't really want to hear today. Church don't want to hear, I'm right with God, at least I do this, at least I do that. Well, know this, we're not right with God because of what we're doing. We're right with God because what we've believed, which is faith in Jesus Christ and what He did for us at Calvary. And if that's what we're still trusting in today, then we find the Lord pleased with our today's faith. Not 30 days ago, 30 years ago. Praise God for your born-again experience. But we see in this chapter God telling His people, study to show yourself approved. Amen. That's good stuff. And it's, by the way, it's show yourself approved unto God, not each other. It's the approval of God. He's already approved of us. Now he's desiring to approve of the fruit that we're bearing each day. Now the devil will come along at that point right there and whisper in your ear and say, well, nobody's perfect. I'm not, I'm not who I'm going to be one day, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. All these little factual statements that'll hold you right where you are trapped in a snare, but you got to break out of that, my friend. Grab your Bible. Thank God for it and begin to study it, begin to read it, begin to ask the Lord for His help. Verse 17, he says, And their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Well, Lord forbid, Paul called the name of people whose words are eating as does a canker. Who are These two men, Paul says, are doing nothing, but uh, they're, they're producing nothing but profane and vain babblings. And they're in the... Pro- these two guys are responsible for not only themselves living lives of more and increase of ungodliness, but people are following them. People are following their vain and profane words of babbling. Make no mistake about it, these were spiritual people. They weren't trying to pull people back in the world through ungodly acts of sinful things. They were trying to, even unaware in their deception, they were trying to pull people away from the doctrine Paul taught that you better have faith in Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary and you better leave it there. Because if you start moving back into circumcision, trusting in whatever it is you're doing, Paul told the church in Galatia, Christ can't profit you and He can't affect you. I don't care what we've been told by our traditional forefathers who's gone before us about you can't lose your salvation, you can't throw it away, you can't walk away. The Bible says you can remove yourself from Him. Now it says He won't remove Himself from you, but choice is a powerful thing. And you can remove yourself from Him. Galatians 1, 6 And we can fall from grace. Instead of growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can fall from grace. not talking about losing your soul at that point. I'm talking about just falling from grace. Grace is what God is doing. He's 
sanctifying you daily, teaching you how to walk in this victory He provided for you at the cross to abstain from worldly things. He's teaching you how to look for His appearing. Titus chapter 2 says grace teaches us, hallelujah, and even all the labor that we're involved in by God, it's by grace or it's not God. And I'm sure that Hymenaeus and Philetus thought they were living by the grace of God. But Paul shows up and points them out and says, No, they're only producing profane and vain babblings. He calls them out. He points them out. He notes them. He marks them. Not in mean, angry, some, something of that nature. He points them out because they're leading people in the wrong direction. And again, that's one of the hurdles. Just imagine if you're sitting there reading this letter when Timothy received it and he's reading it to the congregation there in Ephesus and there were people who, when they hear these two, they're, they're all for it now. Well, yeah, I don't want to listen to any profane and vain babblings, and I'm, I don't want to be living a life of, of, of ungodliness and ungodliness be increasing in my life. And then all of a sudden, Paul drops the letters being read to Timothy, and, 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 and Hymenaeus and Philetus, the names are dropped right there in church. And, and all of a sudden, there's some folks in the sanctuary there that day who's been listening to these two men. Now, they're all for not being involved in profane and vain Babblings until the names are dropped. I preached out in Dallas, Texas years and years ago uh, when we first got a hold of this and was trying to learn the message of the cross and grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which by the way only takes place if your faith is in the cross. And there was two services in this church and uh, I preached the first one at 8 o'clock in the morning and I mentioned Ken Copeland being a false prophet and preaching an entirely different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. And after that first service, that pastor called me back to their office and said, well, I I don't know anything about all that. I've never heard that about Ken, they said, called him Ken and... uh, and, 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 and they told me, they said, you, uh, you probably don't need to say anything about that during the second service. And, and I said, okay, fine. You know, it's their church. And, and if they, they told me not to say anything about that. So I knew what I needed to do was just get up and give them a testimony of how the Lord had saved me and how years later he brought me back. I'd wandered away. He brought me back. And then years later, he brought me into the truth of his word. And, and it was a wonderful, beautiful testimony. But I'm telling you this this morning because it doesn't matter if you're up there hammering against false doctrine and the people are shouting amen, when you drop a name, it might just be somebody they've been watching and holding dear. And that right there is a hurdle, my friend. And instead of getting mad about somebody dropping a name, somebody doing something that's actually biblical, somebody that's got a backbone who's not going to just become a hireling and and avoid what needs to be done according to the Word of God, then you need to go check things out for your own self. I began to hear these things about these false ministers 15, 16 years ago, and I began to think, "Why why are they bashing all these people? But I... I went and checked it out for myself, what they were saying, and there it was. It's right there. All these false doctrines fill the church today. Fill the church today. And no, we shouldn't just let it alone and expect God to get a hold. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us to mark them. Paul marked them, called them out, not being ugly, but because he loved the people of God and he wanted the people of God to be able to grow in godliness and not have an increase of ungodliness. Come on now. If that's really what's at stake, then I think we're going to move more and more into a biblical, responsible place as we live as Christians. And sometimes you just have to call names out, not being ugly, not talking ugly about the person of anyone, but pointing out the poison that him or her are putting on the table. And if they ever want to sit down, it's amazing when the message of the cross comes into a a town, a city, 
And they begin to hear the message of the cross and many of the ministers in that town or city, they, they don't like it. They disagree with it, but they never call. They never want to sit down around a table. They never want to talk about it. They just disagree. Now, I want to let you know, you can call me anytime. We'll sit down with the Bible. You have to have a Bible now. I'm not going to listen to your thoughts and opinions as I hope you wouldn't listen to mine. But call me, we'll sit down and discuss this message. There's no need at the end of the day you not knowing what we mean by the message of the cross for a 40, 60, 80 year old Christian who's been saved all those years. It's, there's no need for you just to go to bed every night wondering what, what, what do they mean by the message of the cross? What in the world are they talking about? There's no need to walk in a place where you don't know something you might need to know. Amen. Their word, those who are holding God's truth in unrighteousness. Holding God's truth in unrighteousness is the only way that ungodliness can happen. Romans 1.18 says that. And not only that, but when it is happening, I don't care how much we call it God. I don't care how much the feelings and emotions are there. I've learned something recently that's very profound. God's presence is not God's approval. God's initial presence in our life when He moved in was His approval of what we had believed. And because we believed in His Son, Jesus Christ, and the work He did concerning our sins at Calvary, He moved in and our bodies became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He is here to stay. Whether we walk with Him or run from Him, whether we grieve Him or He marvels at the faith that we walk in, it makes no difference. He's here to stay. But His presence is not His approval. And we need to remember that is a profound statement that my friend and brother, Brother Larson, made a couple weeks ago when he was here at Crossway Church. Just in passing through a message he was delivering, he, he made that statement and it just it was like the sun came out of the sky closer to me than ever before. It lit up some things to me. That's the very way we can be deceived is just because we have God's presence in our lives, we think we have His approval. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all those, against, really it doesn't say all those, it says against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of those who hold His truth in unrighteousness. That means outside of its context. The context of God's Word, my friend, is righteousness. Righteousness. That's the context. Well, preacher, I thought you said a while ago the Bible is about Jesus. Jesus said the Bible is about Him. He is our Lord, our branch of righteousness. He is our King of righteousness. But only through the cross, our faith in His work at Calvary, the Bible calls that the work of righteousness is peace. Isaiah 32, 17 and Colossians 1, 20 says He made our peace by the blood of His cross so the work of His cross is the work of righteousness that gives us peace and the effect of that righteousness is quietness and assurance. So when we hold God's Word, the Bible, outside the context of Jesus Christ and His work at Calvary, I don't care what you're preaching in the Word. It's got to point to the one who said it's about Him and what He did at Calvary that allows the Holy Spirit to apply the Word of God to your life. Their Word, those who are holding God's truth in unrighteousness, the Bible says, where is this? Let me see. Uh Uh-oh. Let me see here. And their word, verse 17, will eat as does a canker. A canker. And we've heard that in the Old Covenant. Talked about a canker worm. But here's the definition. And as always, I hope you go and look the definition up for yourself instead of just listening to me. I always look it up. 
and confirm before I bring anything to the table, but I encourage the people of God to do that for their own selves so they'll know if I'm just up here throwing stuff out to try to make a good message or is it really right? And this word canker means to gnaw, gnawing. That's what this canker does. It's, it also means an ulcer. It also means gangrene. Gangrene is like a just a worm that's just eating away the body. My dad, when I was just, oh, a barely a baby, he worked for the government, uh, or not a government, but for somebody who did work for the government, and he was driving a forklift, and it turned over on him, and, and, it, and it turned over, and the rack caught his toes. And in today's doctoral ability we have, the medicines and the, the knowledge we have today, he would have saved two of his toes that he lost. But back then, they didn't have the knowledge and the things we have today, and his toes caught an infection. Two of his toes on one of his feet caught an infection. It got gangrene, and they had to take them off. Because a disease set in, there was nothing they could do about that disease in that day and gain green and it got too far and it ate his toes off and they had to cut them off to save the rest of his body. And that's what profane and vain babbling does. It's words that it's like a canker. They begin to eat. They begin to lead astray. They begin to, as you back up in verse 14 of this chapter, you see words that subvert the hearers. They, they, they bring, they put pe- the people of God in an avenue no longer on the path of righteousness but in an avenue now that this, this canker worm, this, this gangrene spiritually I'm speaking of is, is bringing destruction, causing more ungodliness instead of more victory and righteous fruit in our lives. It's, it's causing uh, just this, the eating away of what, of what we need instead of going the way where this canker can be overcome and stopped. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? If you're not sitting under someone who's opening the Bible and pointing you to Jesus and what He did at Calvary, and I'm talking about using the Scriptures to do that, then they're not being led of the Spirit, and you're sure not going to be. And if we're not being led of the Spirit who only leads us into truth, then we're being led by something other. And I promise you, the only result can be ungodliness even if your feelings and emotions are telling you that you're having the experiences of godliness because there's a canker, a canker worm. It's a gangrene. It's a, it's a poison. It's a disease. We're talking spiritually here who's eating away. See, the devil, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy and he doesn't just show up with a machete and just cut your head off. He shows up with little half-truths that are lies. He shows up using God's word out of context and it's, it's these words, they're just profane, they're babblings, they're unfruitful and they're not pointing in the right direction and they can't bring about the righteousness of God because it's truth held in an unrighteous context. When truth is held in a righteous context, righteousness can be seen. Righteousness can be walked in and righteousness will become the fruit of that ministry, that man, woman, boy, girl, marriage, whatever it is that's trusting in the cross of Jesus Christ, that very work of righteousness carried out for us. Let me just read this. I don't know how well it came out, but I'll read it. A gangrene is a disease by which any part of the body suffering from inflammation, and this comes right out of the Thayer's uh, Dictionary, which is always right there with the Strong's, right under the Strong's when you look things up. Again, a gangrene, and this is what this canker is. It's a gangrene, a disease by which any part of the body suffering from inflammation becomes so corrupted that unless a remedy be seasonably applied, the evil continually spreads, attacks other parts, and at last eats away the bones. Now that's what this canker does physically. But Paul is using it here spiritually. Anything that's not a focus on Christ and His work at Calvary is eating away the life 
we've been given. It's, it's, it's distracting, it's hindering, and it's moving us away from where we need to be. It's us receiving words that are not increasing us. We're not, listen, you know how many people in the church really don't even know what it means to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? He tasted death by the grace of God so that you and I could taste that same death by the grace of God every day. That's right. That's right. You're not just saved by grace through faith. You live by grace through faith. And it's the same grace through the only avenue that it comes and that's Jesus' taste of death for you. It's the only avenue through which grace comes whether it's to initially save your soul or daily to give you that grace to be able to function in every capacity God's called you to walk in. Hallelujah. This is just better teaching than your amen and amen. Verse 18 says, "Who this is one particular thing Paul says they're teaching that's wrong. Who These two men, who concerning the truth have erred. They are saying that the resurrection is past already. And because they're teaching that, that is not the truth, the faith of some is being overthrown. Do you know how horrible it's going to be to realize that because we rejected what God's offering in these last days, this message of the cross, the focus on the cross, because we call it uh, something, well, that's where we began. Don't, don't listen, don't despise small beginnings because it's at, the, it's, it's at the beginning God even reveals the end. Isaiah 46, 10, He makes known the end from the beginning. Don't despise small beginnings because that's even the place where your faith became Precious to the Lord. It's the place God can also reveal the end to you and it's also the place that reveals the avenue through which you walk every day. That's right, the beginning. The beginning. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and they're overthrowing the faith of some. How was that working? How did that happen? They were teaching, these two men, whose words were just vain, profane, vain babbling, words that could only bring an increase of ungodliness, doubt, fear, unbelief. And remember, when God sends His men and women onto the scene, He says in Jeremiah, I believe it's 4 and 24 or, or, or 4 and 23 or 23 and 4. One of those, write it down, look it up. God says His shepherds, His pastors will be those that remove fear, dismay, and lack. Fear, dismay, and lack, bye-bye to you when you're hearing the message of the cross in God's Word because that is the only message that removes fear, dismay, and lack. But this could be one of the reasons and a part of what they were saying, I said it could be, what they were using to purport their lies. Now believe me, they thought they were right just like a preacher over here or over there thinks they're right. Everybody who's deceived thinks they're right. Deception is, I don't know that I don't know. But listen, the child of God has the Spirit of God. And I'm here lately wondering why the Spirit of God convicts me when I commit, an act, commit carry out an act of sin, whatever it is, but yet I can't, I can't recognize His grieving over me believing or I can't recognize his conviction of me believing false doctrine. I'll just throw that at you today. The Lord's going to teach us something down that avenue pretty soon. I know that. He wants you to be, and you can because you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. You, you and I should be able to recognize His being grieved, not just when we commit an act of sin. That's obvious. My Lord, lost people have a conscience who can recognize that they sinned, and it can't even make them feel bad. But you and I have the Spirit of God, and we should be able to recognize Him being grieved over us trusting in something that's not right just as we sense Him being grieved over acts of physical acts of sin we carry out. Because false doctrine is heresy, Galatians 
And that's a work of the flesh. Heresy is a work of the flesh. False doctrine is heresy. Heresy is a work of the flesh. And can't nobody please God in the flesh. The Bible says that. Saints were resurrected, but that was not the rapture. That was not the resurrection. The resurrection, the coming resurrection and the rapture of the church is the same thing. Study it out, you'll find it to be true. For at the resurrection, all the church will be raptured. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be gone. We'll be with the Lord. In a moment's time, we'll just be gone. That's what the Bible teaches. But now, I'm going to share with you something as we get ready. You've got about three and a half minutes or so before we have to close. In Matthew 27, verses 50 through 53, this is something that's not talked about very much in the Bible, and I believe it. it's not because we just can't, we can't grasp it like we want to be able to grasp it, so we, so we just don't talk about it. But it's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament So let's read this, Matthew 27, and I'm reading this because it might have been what these, what were their names, Philemus, Philetus and Hymenus might have been using to lie about the resurrection. Watch this now, Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, talking about when he was on the cross, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent, torn in two from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks even were torn in half. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after His resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many Wow! (laughs) The folks that had been in Abraham's bosom, paradise, came up and came out and went into Jerusalem and appeared to many. Now this could have been the very reason that the... I said it could be the very reason that these two men were purporting, y'all done miss, we all done miss the resurrection. <laughs> we, you know, we heard about all those people that come out of the graves, man. My aunt and uncle, they saw them people. Went into Jerusalem, they saw them, people that had been dead for years, come up and walk into Jerusalem. But nevertheless, there's been more people taken than that. I mean, Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. These folks were raptured. They didn't stay on the earth. They didn't, I don't think, live and die again. I think these people went to, went to be with the Lord in heaven. It's just like baptism. There's water baptism, but before water baptism, there's a baptism into the death of Christ through faith in what He did at Calvary. Then there's water baptism. Then there's the Holy Spirit baptism being baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you can take and mess all that up if you don't understand God's Word in the context of Calvary. And that's why we have our meetings and that's why we pray for those that will tune in, for the increase of those that will tune in so they can begin to see the light of God's Word and the person and the work of the one who is the light from heaven. His name is Jesus. And what He did at Calvary is what turned the light on for you initially at salvation and it's what keeps the light burning for you. But when there's a mixture, the light begins to go dim. And I want you to hear that. I want the light to shine brighter for you. God promises in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just will shine more until that perfect day. That means the day He comes for us. Amen. It's been a great broadcast today. I pray God touch you in every capacity in which there's a need in your life and become that provision for you. I pray that He would open the eyes of His church and let them see their condition and let them be reminded of the answer. 
and He is faithful to bring us out of where we are and into to where we need to be. Praise God. Don't forget to tune in every Friday with us right here at 9 a.m. Cross Time with Pastor Curtis Hutchinson and we'll look forward to seeing you the days ahead. Don't forget to pray for us. So into the ministry, please help us do what God's called us to do. You can become a part of the preaching of this great message of the cross through this ministry. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can do it by texting the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. We'll see you next time. But until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.